Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Welcome to the program Life Support, and let's get right into today's topic with Pastor Paul Johnson. Hey, welcome to Life Support. So glad you're with us. And what we do on this podcast is we tell stories, we examine different topics that are maybe a little bit unusual, but what we want to do is really glorify Jesus and how he is with us in suffering, he's with us in trauma, um, he's with us through everyday life struggles. And so I'm so glad you're with us. And we're going to uh, interview a guy who's really interesting. His name is Chris Bollinger, and he is um, author of men's devotional books. He has a story to tell about how he uh, kind of uh, transitioned from the business world into this line of work. And Chris, it's so great to see you. Thanks for being with us. Paul, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. So you are in uh, Florida today. I'm I'm in Florida today. It's terrible weather here as usual. Yeah, I can imagine how bad it must be there. But you're originally an Ohio guy, right? Right. I'm a I'm a Buckeye. I was born in Akron. Lived different places, but mostly Northeast Ohio. So you know, men's men come from Northeast Ohio. That's where, That's right? right? Yeah, and then you've had to withstand some pretty bad sports teams there in uh, Ohio as well. So yes, that's that comes with the territory. I mean, the Cavs did win it all in 2016, but in my lifetime, well, I was born the year that the Browns won their last NFL championship, but I don't remember it because I think I was about seven months at the time. But uh, yeah, that since is... then it's been a pretty pretty hard luck story. Well, you know, we're here in Minnesota, and um, they've never won a championship, so. Um... You know, uh, we can we can you know whine about that here too, but we have more important things to talk about. And um, I want to uh, help understand your story. You you're an author. Uh, you uh, want to strengthen men uh, using the Bible, but that's not where you started. So tell me how you went from the business world uh, into what you're doing right now. Well, I was a uh product manager for tech companies for most of my career. Um, in 2006, five of us left Cisco Systems. We left our cushy jobs at Cisco Systems. We were in Northeast Ohio, Cisco's based in uh, Silicon Valley. And we decided to do uh, a Wi-Fi startup in Akron, Ohio, which sounds pretty strange. But what we were doing was basically designing and building Wi-Fi solutions for industrial devices, which are very well known all over the Rust Belt. So handheld mobile computers that were used in factories and warehouses and distribution centers. And by the grace of God, the startup was successful. So in 2012, we sold the company to a, a company called Laird Technologies. And so in 2013, I retired at the age of, I think it was 49. Um, but God had other plans for my life, as they say. Um, I floundered for a couple of years trying to figure out what I was going to do post-retirement. And then in 2017, on the heels of a very enriching men's group that I had been in for almost four years, I decided that I would try to write a men's devotional. And um, that First of times, as Dickens said, uh, 2017, because in the midst of writing this men's devotional, my 26-year marriage ended. Mm. Um, 
So uh, it was the best of times because I never felt closer to God, but it was obviously the worst of times for a variety of other reasons that come with your marriage ending. Yeah, that's hard. But what a, an interesting thing for you to, to decide to do. Now, most guys that are looking for their next career or maybe not looking at all aren't thinking devotional. So how did that idea get planted in your mind? I tried a couple of things. I wanted to give back, um, having had a windfall in the tech world. So um, I was an executive producer on the best Christian movie nobody ever saw, which was called The Song. Um, so that that didn't do well at the box office. I did a couple of other things. I, I tried to start a business that would help small churches. That went nowhere. So I got really good at investing my own money in things that didn't succeed in the in the church world and the Christian world. And so I was in this men's, uh, this men's group called uh, CLC, Christ-led communities. And it really changed my life. Before this, I had really very little to do with men. I mean, I worked with men, I played sports with men, but I kept men at arm's length. Or then I, I had, I had maybe two close male friends, neither of whom went to my church. And I really was very intimidated by men for the most part. So I, I kept my distance. I, I competed with men, but I didn't really share with them. And then I got into this men's group and it really changed my life because I realized that men weren't so scary to me. I mean, um, they, they were just like me. They had the same strengths and weaknesses. God was working in their lives the way he was working in mine. And I got really close to these guys over the course of three and a half, four years. And so at the end of it, when the group disbanded, because we had run out of material to do, <laughs> we had done everything that CLC had offered at the time. Uh, I said, well, I really want to give back to men. I want to give back to men like me, men who are, who really don't have a lot of close male friends who are a little circumspect about men. I want to offer them encouragement in some way, because what I found, I, I looked at devotionals. I, I really had never read a devotional, to be quite honest. And when I looked at devotionals for men, I found them to be very prescriptive, you know, do this, don't do that. But I, I found very little, very few of them to be encouraging. Um, men don't really think they need encouragement. They don't seek it out, but they, they really do. Men are desperate for encouragement and they, they rarely get it, especially for encouraging devotional but you don't you don't write you don't call it encouragement because that doesn't sell mm -hmm. <laughs> men don't men don't buy books that say encouraging or encouragement so uh came up with strength so we called it strength but it was really encouragement yeah and there there aren't very many men's devotionals period let alone encouraging men's devotionals right so you 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 found a, a really good place to land there you know, it's interesting what you were talking about being intimidated by men. And so I live in Minnesota where everyone here hunts, fishes. You know, guys come into church with their fishing gear on, ready to go ice fishing. I don't do any of that. And so I go to men's events and I think to myself, what am I, I have, I have nothing in common with these guys. And so I tend to just kind of isolate myself kind of go off in a corner because I'm afraid to even admit I don't go hunting and fishing. And so why are men so afraid of what other men are thinking of us? 
we're supposed to be strong and we're supposed to be these powerful leaders, right? Right. For me, it was a, a fear of being found out. Um, you know, I, I've been a Christian for most of my life. I've been very active in church. I've been on church councils and church boards and served on committees and been involved in school. But all along in the background, I had this fear that, you know, these other people, these other Christians, especially these men are going to figure out that I'm really not who I claim to be because throughout this time, I was married for 26 years. The, the marriage was a struggle for most of the 26 years. And while I put on a good front, uh, you know, praise the Lord, everything's great. My personal life was a mess. I really didn't feel like I, I measured up very well. And the men I saw in church and other Christian settings, they seemed to have their act together. So for me, it was, I was intimidated because I felt like I didn't really measure up to these guys. Um, and I don't ice fish either. I, I really, you know, I, I spent most of my life in Ohio. I, I hated the winters. <laughs> I would play basketball because, I, you know, at least I could do that inside. So, yeah, I mean, I was intimidated physically as well. I, I grew up as a pretty scrawny kid. So from an early age, I felt intimidated physically by other men. But it was more of a, in Christian circles, it was more of an, um, a feeling that I was not good enough as a man. Um, you know, I didn't measure up from an Ephesians five standpoint. I didn't measure up from any standpoint. So that, that's, that was it for me. I can't speak for other men, but I, I felt like that was probably not just me. I mean, when I wrote the devotional, I kind of figured out that I was hoping this would speak to other men who had some. Yeah. And I think that, um, as you talk about this, I'm also aware of that churches don't do a very good job of ministering to men. Um, you know, there's women's ministries everywhere. Um, because women are very relational. Men are sort of like, you know, um, you know, don't bother me. Um, and that really makes it difficult for guys to see that church isn't for women. Church is for guys, too. And, um, and it seems that we have to take that seriously in our churches in America, that we need to reach guys where they are and not where we want them to be. Right. And so two things helped change it for me. Um, in addition to the men's group that I was in, one was I read Wild at Heart like 20 years ago. And when I first read it, I really didn't like it because it came off as this, you know, real men get out in the wilderness and they're rough and tumble. And, you know, and I and I but then I read more about Eldridge, the author, and found out that he he was an actor. You know, he wasn't really this rough and tumble guy. He was a, he, he was kind of like me. I mean, I, I'm an author, you know, most authors are not terribly tough. Um, so that that changed my perspective on things. And the other thing that changed it, I was sitting in church one Sunday and um, there was a guy in the row in front of me, a uh, blue collar guy, didn't really have a lot in common with him. But thought, you know, this guy can speak to guys that I can't talk to, right? I can I can talk business. I can talk, you know, tech shop with guys but I don't know how to fix a car. I, I don't, I don't know how to do much around the house. And this guy does. And so I, I started to see other men, you know, they were different than me, but you know, they had their world where they could thrive. And yeah, it, it's tough. I think it's tough on pastors to get a men's ministry going because like you said, men, men don't really hang out with other guys too much. 
Um, they don't seem to be very relational and, um, they've got strengths that I think the church struggles to leverage, but we, we need to get, we need to get men's ministries going. We need to help men thrive because if men don't thrive, then a lot of things go wrong. Churches don't thrive. Homes don't thrive. Communities don't thrive. So yeah, we, we need to get get our acting gear when it comes to men. My guest is Chris Bollinger, who is an author who has written Men's Devotions. We'll tell you in just a moment how you can access his work. He's kind enough to join us here on Life Support, talking a little bit about how churches minister to men. And, you know, before I became a pastor, I, w- I was just in a church. I was uh, an everyday churchgoer trying to do ministry uh, in a church, and the only way I was able to meet men was in a small group. But even then, um, you know, I felt like the, the wives were dragging the guys uh, to the small group. Um, but yet the Bible has this different uh, paradigm about what men are, you know, men, men are to be leading. How do you kind of reconcile this issue of men being tentative, but yet men... Um, stepping out and leading. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, one of the best books I've read, and I've become friends with the author, is Why Men Hate Going to Church. It's a great read, David Murrow. Um, he, he's a video production guy. I mean, he's not a pastor, um, but he just kind of took a step back and observed the way churches work and why men don't thrive in churches. And you know, I won't go into the details now because we don't have time, but it's really a good book to pick up. You may not agree with everything that's in there, but um, I think he's got his finger on the pulse of a lot of the reasons why men struggle in church and what church, some things churches can do to really get their men out of their shells and more active and more engaged and, and thriving in those environments. So if you had to, um, Chris, narrow down some things that men are facing in our culture right now that you're concerned about. You're writing to them. I'm sure you're rummaging through the lives of men. Um, What are some things that you've identified that you're concerned about right now that men are dealing with on an everyday basis? Uh, Boy, men are dealing with a lot. I'll try to narrow it down to a couple of things. Um, I write the occasional article for crosswalk.com and um, I was just interviewing a counselor and what he turned me on to was a realization that a lot of men have been beaten up pretty badly in their lives. They're not going to talk about it for the most part, but his estimation and what I've seen in, in various publications is probably one in two men, every other man has been through something traumatic. Uh, Maybe when he was a kid, um, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, you know, um, witnessing domestic violence and being unable to do anything about it. Um, You know, all kinds of things that um, are really considered traumatic. Um, But our society, in, in this counselor's opinion, doesn't validate or even consider credible that men suffer trauma or boys suffer trauma. 
So you got a lot of walking wounded guys out there. And the way this manifests itself for a lot of guys could be, you know, they have affairs and that's not to excuse the behavior. I'm just trying to explain that, mm -hmm. you know, men have been through the ringer and nobody's acknowledging it. So, yeah, I mean, and I found some of this out in, in the men's group that I was active in and other men's groups that I've been involved in is once you get guys to open up, they will start to tell you about things that have happened to them. And it's pretty grisly in a lot of cases, but you know, they don't win any points for, for bringing this up because we're, we tell them as a society, you know, suck it up and, and, and deal with it, you know, just plow forward. So that's, that's one, you know, it's, I'm not necessarily narrowing it down, but that's one big area that um, we see the effects of it in our in our churches, in our culture, in our society. Um, and we're not really giving men a lot of assistance here. So right. it's a <laughs> it's tough to deal with, but but it's out there. Um, in addition to that, you know, having gone through a divorce now and and thankfully, by the grace of God, I'm remarried to a wonderful woman. You know, let's face it, roughly 40% of our guys, whether it's evangelical churches, mainline churches, or unchurched, the stats are the, pretty much the same. 40% of our guys have been through a divorce. And again, we don't talk, you know, we don't for the guy, but it's like a bomb going off in your life. I mean, it affects everything. And it doesn't stop, you know, I'm remarried and and that's wonderful, but I'm still I'm still dealing with a divorce that happened in my case over five years ago. Um, another one that I've been in, you know, come to know about recently is abortion uh, mm -hmm. in terms of a traumatic event for men. You know, a lot of men. Um, they didn't really want the abortion uh, or even if they did, you know, their minds have changed now, but that, you know. They've, they've missed out on the potential of fatherhood for that kid. So, yeah, really, when you start to peel back, when you start to peel back the layers, you'll find that a lot of guys out there are really hurting, really struggling, but they put on a really good front and they don't talk about it. They don't go to counseling. They just, you know, try to forge ahead. And the results of that, the consequences of that um, are a lot of troubled guys, let's say. Yeah, that's um, a, a good description. And, you know, when we talk about abuse in churches, that is actually a very um, hot topic right now for all the wrong reasons. Um, right. You know, we, we think of, of the women, and, and it's it's tragic what's happened to women in churches. There's no doubt about that. And, and, and I, I really hurt for these women that are brave enough to come forward and talk about it, and the way they're treated is is just disgusting at times. But there are a lot of guys that have been through that too, and they are going to be reticent to ever tell anybody about it. And so somehow in churches, we need to open up lines of communication where guys can feel free to express themselves, and maybe they just don't feel safe, do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I mean— I was intimidated to bring up stuff from my life. And frankly, I really haven't been through anything that I would consider abuse. So, you know, for the guys that have had these really harrowing experiences, yeah, they're even less likely to want to talk about it because 
they look at as kind of a, you know, risk reward assessment and the risks are very high and they're not sure what the rewards are going to be. You know, is it, it, why bring it up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why bring it up? That's a good way to put it. And guys are funny because um, I have a son who plays, um, you know, travel baseball. So, you know, pretty much all the same families are at all the games. Which is great because you have an opportunity to, to meet people that, um, you know, are, are not believers or whatever. But so often, you know, the guys are all standing around separately. The women are all packed together in their lawn chairs. And then the guys are kind of like one guy's behind the backstop. One guy's kind of, um, you know, one guy's kind of over by his car. Maybe there's a couple guys talking. And they can go a whole game without even talking at all. And the women would be shocked by this kind of behavior. And so men are just, I think, um, isolated. So I'm glad that you've taken it upon yourself to um, really want to minister to them. And I think it's an important ministry. Because I, I agree with you that many times as men go go our homes, go our churches, go even our country, um, you know, the, the things that are happening in our inner cities— um, much of that can be traced back to fatherless homes and so forth. So I just want to encourage you uh, to keep going and, and to to do what God has called you to do. And tell me a little bit about the books that you've written and how someone can um, access the material. Sure. So I've written two. Uh, the first one has also been translated into Spanish. And even though I don't speak Spanish, I was involved in that effort. So... I can I can cheat and say I've got three, but <laughs> I've got two devotionals. Um, the first one is called Daily Strength for Men. And, you know, this is so hard to explain that you have to give all the all the praise and glory to God. First time author, really didn't know what I editing process where I had to rewrite many of my devotions. Um, but um, this is a book that you will find on the inspirational reading rack in your local supermarket, um, CVS, airports. Um, and by the way, just to put that in perspective, a best selling Christian book is many times about 10,000. Right. So that's, a, that's, that's an amazing number. Yeah. In fact, my original, my original contract, um, the publisher, did not think they they publish in groups of ten thousand, and they did not think that I would make it. So I got to buy a lot of copies of my book myself <laughs> right. to protect their risk, um, which I ended up selling back to the publisher. Um, but yeah, that that one's just been amazing. Um, the second one I wrote, um, it's it's more of a weekly format, and I just wanted to do something different to try to reach guys differently. So that one's called 52 Weeks of Strength for Men. That one has not done amazing. <laughs> it's still kind of in the starting blocks. Um, but I, I really, the way that I write is um, I don't tend to write about myself. I don't think I'm terribly interesting. I try to or, you know, Christians throughout history or just, you know, kind of your everyday guys if I come across a story that interests me and encourages me, I figured that'll probably encourage some other guys. So I, I, 
you know, as a devotional writer, I'm able to steal from the best as long as I cite my <laughs> cite yep. my source. I've got, you know, stories I've read in newspapers and magazines. I've got things I've seen on ESPN.com. You know, I just, I just pull them out. I, I, in the second book, it's all topic based. So I'll find a topic where it fits and then I'll marry it with some scripture passages that cover the same topic. And then I put um, some, some questions at the end that are designed to, just challenge the reader to maybe think about how to apply this to his life. Um, the questions are really easy to write. They're really hard to answer. As I discovered when my wife decided to do my first book as a couple's devotional, and I really kind of regretted <laughs> some of the questions because, hey, hey, here's a tough question. Why don't you answer that? And then I had to answer that one in front of my wife. Um, but my goal is really to... Uh, to encourage guys, as I said, but also to challenge them to really put their faith into practice. And I try to give them some different perspectives on how to do that based on and the stories that they've told. And you also have a website? I do. Um, it's uh, mensdevotionals.com. One of the neat things for me is that Every now and then somebody will come to the website and they'll um, they'll contact me. They'll go to the contact page and they'll they'll tell me their story. And I've had guys open up to me. You know, I, I keep it all confidential, but I've had guys open up to me about the divorces that they've been through or some of the struggles they've been through. Sometimes they just say, hey, I really liked your book and that's great. But the real meaningful stuff for me is that I get the opportunity. It's via email, but I get the opportunity to to talk to guys and help them out one-on-one. -on -one. All right, Chris Bollinger, and we want to thank you for joining us on Life Support. We want to thank faithradio.com, and you can see a video version of this podcast as well on fivestonemedia.com. And we'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.